0: 821, TSN 1050, Mike Richards in the morning. Great to be back. Uh, So much stuff happening here this morning. Darren Drager in studio, looking fantastic as always. And actually, for the first time, I get to talk to, uh, and I I have to make sure, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm saying that right, uh, correctly, Mike Babcock? The, The Maple Leafs. This is what I'm saying now. Did I get that correct? Is, Mike is, there? That
1: a, is that a question to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're off to a good start. How's everyone this morning? In fact,
0: I also might be talking to someone, uh, and maybe I'm the only two in this room, who have an affinity for Lethbridge. Would this be correct as well?
1: That would be correct. One of my favorite spots.
0: Oh, it, it, it was a great place. Uh, and, you know, again, we uh, had uh, Wendell Clark and we had Doug Gilmore. And we were talking about, you know, just... Is there, is there a, a difference in a quality that you can put on in the way in which you would see hockey played, for instance, in the dub or or prairie hockey, as you want to say it? And and, and those that you see in, in the East or the OHL or the Q, do you think at this point, uh, I mean, I think maybe in the day, maybe there was a difference. Coach, do you think there's a difference between those leagues?
1: You know what? Uh, I haven't been in those leagues in so long, I don't have an answer for you. I think when you grow up in the west you think it's god's country i think when you grow up in ontario you think that's god's country i know i'm with a.j mclean here this morning he's from manning ganesh he thinks that's god's country <laughs> so each person's piece of paradise is a little bit different mine's emma lake in saskatchewan but i can't tell you the answer to that as far as hockey goes
2: how is water skiing uh this summer mike
1: you know what rigs it's uh, i gotta tell you that it's kind of a three weeks full on, the rest of the summer not enough, so I'm going to set a new personal record next year, but this year wasn't quite enough reps, but that's part of
0: life. <laughs> well, you certainly have uh, lots on your hands here with uh, the start of it. I know a lot of people are very, very excited about a coach, and uh, when you look at uh, the things that you want to do, you're in a new environment, you're, you're talking to players that, uh, for some of them you're going to coach for the first time. Uh, so, so where do you start with a project like this? Because I assume, you, you know, there's, there's so much on your list, but you've got to do one thing at a time what is that for you
1: well I think the biggest thing uh, that's happened here is the building of a management team uh, the building of an office management group and that comes from scouts that comes from medical science people it comes from uh, the president the manager the coaching staff putting together those people um, that are a quality, good people that are going to work hard and, and set a good example and, and give stability to and the organization. And, and then the next step is, is to get on with fixing our on-ice product. And so I think we've had a real good summer off the ice. Um, now we've got to start our journey on the ice. I so thought uh, uh, July 1st, that area went all right for us. We acquired some players. Uh, we're going to try to build a product here that people can be proud of. It's going to take us time. I think we're all aware of that. But in the meantime, we want to be the best we can possibly be and and give our fans something to be excited about.
0: Now, Coach, what about individually? Uh, is it via interview where you start to get a feel for, for guys that essentially you, you didn't know before?
1: Well, I mean, uh, initially what I did is I called everybody, and those conversations were fairly straightforward in the fact that I was just saying alone, nothing more. Uh, I've had a chance to be around here for a bit and bump into guys and then you know, kind of pick them off one at a time. But, but in the end, those are conversations. i got to get to know them as players and as people. And you know what? As a coach, uh, real straightforward with this, I try not ever to confuse the player and the person. It is I think it's very important to love your players and to give them all the support you can and get to know them as people. But in the end, that's not what gets them on the ice. What gets them on the ice is how they play on the ice. So, um, you know, you do good things out there, you get out there more. So, we're going to get to know each other as training camp goes on. Now we're going to send uh, or start off by establishing structure and work ethic at our camp, and then we're going to try to get better each and every day. But that's basically what we're doing: is we're just going to get to know each other better. Process.
2: You know, a year ago, Mike, uh, Brendan Shanahan, and company used a phrase: internal competition. Right to to describe, you know, the reality of of that season, and and they wanted to make sure that, you know, not just that will to compete, but that internal fight was there. It was in practice. It was in every shift of the the exhibition season, and obviously into the regular season. And in two degree, I think that worked. I think we saw players who who, who battled for their spots and uh, maybe pushed one or two that were a bit of a surprise out of the way. Uh, do you follow along that same path this year? And, and is it even more wide open, given some of the, the young talent that you're obliged to have a good look at?
1: Well, I think the big thing, Driggs, here is internal competition. To me, internal competition comes with the more skill you have in your lineup. You don't know from day to day who is going to get that extra ice time because you have so many good players. That's what you want to get to. You want to get to a spot where there's tons of competition for jobs. Now, training camp to me is real simple. It's an individual time of year. Training camp ends when exhibition's done. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to secure yourself uh, a job on the team. If you're guys that have a job on the team, you're trying to secure yourself a job on the power play or on the penalty killer. You want to be out there six on five. You want to be out there five on six. So there's a lot of things to be determined here through training camp because we don't know who they are they're getting to know us, we're getting to know them. But it, the more internal c- competition you have, the better off you're going to be because it's it's competitive environment every day. You want that in your weight room, you want that on your ping pong table, you want that playing cards on the plane, you want it everywhere. You want it to be a competitive environment. That's a lot of fun. And saying that, the more Quality, quality players you have, the more internal competition you have. If you don't have enough quality players, it makes it harder to have as much internal competition.
2: And, and assuming that you know you've got a, a higher quality of player, then you're going to expect the offense that you know was was moved out in the Phil Kessel trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins to be replaced by a committee. That 25 to to 40 when Phil is going is going to be uh, should be replaced by a few players, or you know, is it up to guys like Nazem Kadri and the obvious to, to step up?
1: Well, I would tell you is anytime you uh, move a guy like Phil, who's a high, high end scorer, that you're going to suffer to replace his goals. So that's just the reality of the situation. But you're going to see who's going to do it. So we do an exercise each year in Detroit. Uh, Ken Hall and myself, we'd add up the goals we were going to score. We'd know before the year what we thought we were (laughs) going to score. When I added up the goals the other day, they didn't add up right. So I tried to do it again and again, and I didn't like the outcome. The reality is we're going to have to find some people to score more goals than I put down on the sheet initially. So we know that. So let's get to work and figure out how we're going to do that.
2: We're in conversation with Mike Babcock, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, joining us this morning on TSN 1050. Mike, you talk about learning curves, headaches, uh, a slow process, and everything like that. What, what in your mind will it take uh, for your team, uh, for for in your mind as a first year coach on this team, uh, with this organization for this season to be deemed successful in your mind? What will this, what will it take for you for this team to be successful?
1: That's a great question. Is I'm not going to say anything right now except the fact that we're going to compete hard and we're going to get better each and every day and we're going to figure out what we got here. So is there a number of games we got to win, I think, is what you were trying to get me to say and hold something to it? Yeah, I don't know. The first three comments you said, I said, I don't even know if I said them. Now, that's just how radio works. But the reality is, is we're going to come to work and we're going to get better. And where that takes us, I don't know. Is this a process that... That is going to take some time, absolutely. But I think all these questions. Let's do this in four weeks from now. You can ask me these questions. I'm going to have better answers for you right now. I don't know the answer. <laughs>
0: hey, Mike, thanks so much for uh, for joining us here this morning. Uh, you know, I'm from a family of coaches, and uh, you know, my dad always uh, had certain guys that uh, I don't know if emulate was the word, but he certainly looked up to their their methodology, to their philosophy. John Wooden was uh, certainly mm-hmm. that for yeah. my dad. Uh, I, I think you remind me of, of a certain coach south of the border in uh, Mike Trujillo. I think there are some qualities that you have that really do remind me of Coach K. But when you look at uh, you know where you've come from, what you've learned, and where you're at now, what were some of the influences for you as as a coach? Who did who did you look at?
1: Well, you know, for me, there's no question. The two biggest influences in my life were my folks. And uh, real straightforward is I learned how to work hard from my my dad, and I learned how to talk to people from my mom. But there's been lots of guys over the years that have had a major influence on me, whether that be players I coached or guys around me. And, uh, you know, you talk about John Wood and Coach K, those are guys that obviously have not only established themselves as great, great coaches, but as great people. And to me, uh, that's a huge priority is setting a standard that your players can be proud of you and how you handle yourself each and every day and the expectation you have for them. They know it's consistent. They know you're a good person. They know you're pulling for them, but you demand a lot. And so that's what I try to do. But to give you a guy right here, right now, uh, you know, I don't have one. I know uh, it was great for me to be out with Jock Lemaire last night, just talking to Jock, having around with our coaches. He's a good man. Scotty Bowman was a good man to me. Dave King was a good man to me for a lot of years. Uh, you know, there was lots of people along the way. Billy Moores at the University of Alberta uh, did a lot claire drake did a lot for me over the years so uh, i'm a big believer in r&d i call that robin do you learn something from all the people that you touch in your life and as long as you keep learning you embrace lifelong learning you have a chance to get better so guys thanks for having me on today give me a call back in a few weeks and i might have some
0: (laughs) thank you so much mike have a good day guys